Welcome to iFollow. What's going on, everybody? This is episode 59 of iFro. I have a, a wonderful Prime Day edition special provided none other than my provided by none other than myself and Irvin. How's it going, Irvin? Hey Matt, doing well. <laughs> not to be confused, but this, this episode is not sponsored by Amazon. It's just not. to be clear. Just no. to be clear. But it is an Amazon Prime Day. However, if he was aware of the sponsoring, it would be sponsored by Jeff, who is currently house right now. Um, he's busy being house. Um, so once he's all settled into his place, um, we'll see him on the show regularly again, which will be nice. Um, but yeah, um, so we have a, there's, there's, there's still, it's like the third or so week of not a whole lot going on in tech news, so to say. Um, there still is a lot of stuff that does happen. A boring week in tech is still an exciting week in general. So there is still a lot to talk about. Um, but kind of hinting at what we were talking about right as we started the show um, to jump straight in. Uh, Prime Day is upon us and it's tomorrow. There's a lot of really good deals, especially now that Amazon has acquired Whole Foods. Um, so we, we actually took advantage of that today. The 10 percent back for the credit card owners, as well as like the various sales that are going on were uh, listed in the both the Whole Foods app and on Amazon Prime itself. Um, it's cool. Did you know if you go to Whole Foods with a prime account and use the whole foods app that you get a $10 credit on Amazon. I didn't wow. know. Yeah. This is still good. not a sponsorship, but <laughs> <laughs> I know we keep talking about it. Like it is. Yeah. But hey, uh, hey, if Jeff, you're listening, happy to take that check. Yeah. We're right here. We're on Spotify now. Did I mention that also? Um, we just got added to Spotify. So now I can listen to us on, I can add us to my playlist essentially. <laughs> um it's nice though it there was like a huge delay with their network or their system or something and um i'm just really amped that we're final because they're still yeah they're still doing manual reviews i think for every podcast that they put into their catalog so you have to be actually listened to yeah it doesn't help that manual reviews on top of the network issues that they had reported they were going through. Um, it doesn't, doesn't help the fact that it took as long as it did, but we're there. So now I think I can safely say that we're everywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you can't escape us. We're, no. we are eternal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I wanted to start off with a prime article just because of the prime day stuff. Um, and just to, Inform our listeners, Amazon's share of U.S. e-commerce is now at 49%. Um, or if you want to look at just retail in general, it's 5%. Um, and note, this is in the U.S., uh, but these numbers are still crazy. This is, I don't think we've ever seen any company ever get this big, especially in the entirety of the continental U.S. Yeah, any. It's kind of crazy. So every online transaction, 49% of that is Amazon's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Yeah. I know that they have stated before that they want to pretty much take their goal is to uh, take a cut of pretty much every online transaction on the internet. I think they're, I think the, the, the actual quote was a take a cut of every, not just online, but every single transaction on the face of the earth. Oh man. Which is 
like that is frightening to say the least. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're set to clear 258 billion in U.S. retail sales in 2018. Um, if you're looking at uh, the figures right now, which is working out to, like I said, 49.1 to be exact percent of all online retail in the country and 5% of all retail sales. Um, just I'm looking at this chart and the next biggest one is only 6.6%, which is eBay. Yeah. Is in <laughs> 49 and then the next highest is 6%. That's, that's insane for a company that started off as a bookstore online. Yeah. Which is important to note also. And all those photos of a really like, um, really like shriveled up looking Jeff Bezos, really weak looking guy. And now <laughs> he's like this lifter esque person. Um, but yeah, they, they've done a lot of work expanding from groceries to fashion to like, basically you name it, they sell it electronics. They sell magazine subscription services. Um, but it's getting to a point, I think where they're going to get almost, they're going to get so big. They're going to need to do something to push into that next stage to start to take over the global market. Um, yeah. Because they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're moving in the right direction too. Also, um, something that I, going back to those numbers you were talking about, I thought it was funny that Apple was third out of all the other companies I could have guessed, um, at 3.9%. Yeah. It's like Apple and then Walmart right after. If you think about it, I guess it makes sense. Cause I don't know how, how, what percentage of their, their iPhone sales, iPhone sales are online. And that also comes with like the, the MacBook sales and stuff. Yeah. Also it, Apple's biggest country is the U S yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that sort of makes sense that it is, it is a surprise to me as well. I home Depot, <laughs> home Depot's on that list is even more surprising. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, um, one of them, which I thought was interesting was uh, Costco and Macy's because I didn't really think that they had much of an online presence either. Mm, um, yeah. I know Costco cause Costco, they do like special deals for prior. I was going to say prime members, but they're not prime members. They're Costco <laughs> membership, which mm-hmm. is the same idea, right? Yeah. I like the same idea. Um, but I mean, essentially, yeah, essentially, um, but so they have special online like prices for uh, Costco members where you can go on and just buy it online. You don't have to go to a Costco if you don't have one near you or you don't feel like driving. Um, so it sort of makes sense that they're on this list, but they're only 1.2 percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And their their sales just keep going up like they're 30 percent up from last year. And um, they're starting to like look pretty intimidating as a company because of just the sheer number of services that they own. Um like a lot of people were quick to complain about the price hike for prime where I'm still arguing that it's a very fair price. Um, and that's like, just, I mean, nobody likes a price hike and I don't either, but, um, like the, the amount of stuff that I get through prime, it makes it worth it. It definitely does. Cause when they launched it, I think it was 80 bucks, right? 79, something like that. Yeah. It was like 80. Um, that was really cheap. And I think they lost, loss on that and they just want to get people on board and now they're just keep increasing it because they're adding more value to it also they're trying to make some money at least or at least break break even um but i do you do get a lot of stuff with it because if you think about it for netflix alone if you get let's just a regular plan i think it's up to like around 10 bucks now that's 120 bucks a year 
mm-hmm. for Netflix. And that's all you get. Nothing else. You don't get all the benefits of, of free two day shipping and the prime print pantry stuff and um the switch prime you got whole foods membership yeah. now video stuff yeah so it is a lot of money when you think but i think it, it offers you a better value than just paying for like one service like netflix right it's like a suite of online services yeah. except it's not build monthly it's just up front which makes the number look a little bit more intimidating because you there's no other way to pay except for annually up front and now you can actually get um benefits in real world too like you mentioned i think before the show the whole foods thing right now you can go to whole foods and and, and reap those benefits in person mm-hmm. just in online services and i think you can pay now for prime monthly but it does cost more mm-hmm Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's like twelve bucks a month or something. Twelve bucks a month. So it does. Che- it is cheaper if you pay all all front. But that's how most services work anyway. So that's nothing really new to me, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they offer a cheaper plan if you commit for a full year of their service, because I'm assuming not only do they get your business, but they also get your ad revenue from you using that service over the course of the year. Um, I think they still do a student discount. So if you have an .edu email address, you can still get it at fifty percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, nice get well those. they're a little more strict than other places some of them require just a edu email whereas amazon requires like multiple sources of proof that you are in fact a student because i think they, they weren't as strict earlier on and people were like kind of gaming the system yeah it comes from like years of people gaming the system including myself and like articles that are being published of people like how to get a student yeah. discounts on amazon blah 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 so I mean, I mean, it makes sense that it's only it's only reasonable that they would try to close that gap and make more money yep. to more accurately. Like, wow, it's weird. Like 95 percent of our entire demographic is all college students. That's really <laughs> unusual. Yet our total number of sales outweigh the total number of students in college. That's really weird. <laughs> they can't yeah. afford their tuition, but they can certainly afford a prime subscription. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's. And like a lot of this is just people chasing this model. Like we know Walmart is trying really hard to stake a claim. And also we're seeing, I think like this is not, it's not a direct uh, inline uh, thing, but Walmart and Google are also stepping up their games as well. Google has some pretty competitive uh, prime day deals where if you get a lot of their products will now come free with like a home mini or um, you can get like a buy one, get one free on like a Google home or something like that. Um, there's some pretty aggressive deals through other companies. And that's like one of the benefits of prime day. Uh, the, the fact that this company has 49% of all us e-commerce means that these other companies who were at two and three and four have to step up their online game that day in order to keep their numbers at a normal number at a normal rate. Um, but I think that's, it's like one of the consumer perks of that when you have a giant announce a huge day of sale kind of like when steam sales happen you'll see a lot of these like third-party companies like gog and like humble bundle and all that stuff all these guys will announce big um big sales as well Uh, but that's besides the point that's neither here nor there it's it's still great though um i mean i'm going to be taking full advantage of it and checking amazon tomorrow for whatever the best deals are and um, anybody who is a long time listener, uh, it's weird that I have to say that now, 
Um, we'll remember the episode that you and I did where we covered how to find like how to make sure what the deal you're getting is actually good. Yeah. But way back when we did like our rants, um, that was a that's a throwback. But using the service, um, uh, if you're on Chrome, using the Camelizer um, or the website, if you're on mobile, Camel, Camel, Camel. Um, if you if you want to get deals and make sure that the deal you're getting is actually a deal, then those are the, the services that you use. And anybody who wants to, I recommend you go back and check that episode out. I'm not I'm, I can't really remember which one it is, but uh, just start from episode one. You'll have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> um, great, great advice. And, 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 you know, if you have a Spotify premium subscription, then what better place to go to uh, to check us out on? But either way, um I think that we do have some other topics that we should talk about as well. Not let's talk about electrification of um, transportation. Tell me, Irvin, are you going to move to the UK after this bill? I might if, if it goes I, through. I might. I uh, might. Um, so, uh, so according to this article in TechSpots, um, by twenty forty. UK wants to go and mandate that all new homes will need to have an electric car charger built into um, the house. Um, so it is a little bit a long way off 2040, but it's it's uh, it's coming faster than most people yeah. think. I think that 2040 number is actually a ban on combustion vehicles alone, not even all uh, combustion vehicles. Yeah, not even pushing um this this new this new bill which they're proposing um it's still a proposal i'm not sure exactly what this like where this could go especially as divisive as the uk parliament is at this time um but it would be fantastic to see this actually get pushed through because in addition to homes light poles near street parking locations will also have to be equipped with chargers as well so I'm assuming the public ones. Yep. So at the corner, like near a shopping center or something, the street post will be able to like run a cable from there to your Tesla or to your Chevy Volt or whatever, or what have you. Um, So it's, it's a lot. um, It's a lot of retrofitting that needs to happen in order to accommodate this infrastructure change. But I think it'll be welcome, especially if, if you see like gas stations start to close, um, maybe be converted to electric vehicle charging stations as like faster charging solutions become more readily available, um, whether it's through Tesla or not. Because yeah. a lot of people associate electric vehicles with a Tesla now, where yeah. there are other companies um, who are and will be making a lot more electric vehicles. Yeah. Um, in particular, for Europeans, Volvo, which I know is a huge automaker in Europe. Um, but and there's other, like there, there's some big, um, automakers in, in, in Europe specifically who are making electric vehicles, which aren't even available in the U S yeah because they're not, uh, U S companies like cool. Renault makes a Zoe, mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, and there's others, um, Peugeot. That make, yeah, mm-hmm. Peugeot, Peugeot, is that how you say it? Yeah. Okay. Peugeot. Peugeot. Okay, not Peugeot or Puget. Hey, get it right. France won the World Cup. So hey, man, I'm better, 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 better pronounce it correctly <laughs> in respect of France. Yeah, even though I was rooting for Croatia, but like I said in, before the show started, every team that I rooted for lost, so maybe that's my fault. I don't know. But um, it was the home country of the 76er, Dario Saric. So um, 
A little bit of an extra there. I'm not much of a Sixers fan, but I'm always one for the homers. So I don't know any French people, really. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, apparently with this bill, 530 million is also going to be used to help fund the companies convert to electric. Um, so they're not kind of on their own, which mm-hmm. I think is one of the bigger problems you'd have to address. Like a lot of these people don't have the money to do this. Right. But I mean, it kind of lends itself to companies like Tesla making it cheaper. So that means that 530 million will go further. But um, like I said, it's, it's really up to whether this bill passes or not. Um, It would certainly help that ban on combustion vehicles. And I think that's a good step forward, especially even since it's a small country, but I think that um, what better country to convert to electric than a small country. Yeah. It's the technology, the technology is not fully there yet for like the U S but then again, a gas vehicle can't make it across the whole country on one tank. So, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. that's Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, having these stations all over the, all over town and no matter where you go and just like you park and then it becomes natural thing. You just plug in while you're at the store. It might be just for 10, 15 minutes, but you're still getting some kind of juice Yep. Uh, and over throughout the day that, I mean, that adds up, um, I think um, these public chargers are going to be huge. I think I don't think Tesla's going to be such a big player in it personally because Tesla chargers are only for Teslas. Yeah, <laughs> they have a proprietary charger and they don't work with any other electric car. So yeah, even well, Tesla has said that they're committing to expanding their their supercharger network. That won't really affect any other electric vehicle. Um, it'll just benefit any. Uh, Tesla owners, but of course, any Teslas can also use these public ones that the UK is also planning to. So it'll benefit all electric cars Mm -hmm. uh, all over, which I think is. I think that's important too. the fact that it's not that that's one of the things that I'm really happy about, that it's not backed by like Tesla or a company that has a proprietary charger. It's a universal standard that can be Mm -hmm. just through an adapter. You can connect any car to. Yeah, um, I think that's a really good thing. And that's something that's really understated in this bill. Something that would make not only it, it would make that 530 million stretch even further because it's a universal charger. Do you think there are, the UK has actually reached that ban to for the fossil fuel vehicles by 2040? I don't know. It seems ambitious. It, it does. It seems very, very ambitious. Um but it's this is a um, it's their goal, I think, yeah. um, kind of like how we have a goal of moving to, I think, having solar as our primary energy source by 2030. Um, I think this is the UK's goal of um, having all cars produced in the UK be fully electric by 2040, which we, we and we've even reported on auto companies who stated that they're going to be manufacturing all electric vehicles after X year. Yeah. Or, something like that. So, I mean, it's ambitious, but it's entirely possible if they're actually committed to it. Um, I can, I still don't see the combustion vehicles going away. Um, I mean, yeah. So any new cars won't be by 2040. If it all goes perfect plan, any new vehicles sold won't be combustion engine by 2040, but Mm -hmm. there of course still, still be combustion engine cars on the road that won't go overnight so that'll take i think a very long time before all of those cars are gone or maybe just you know just enthusiasts will uh keep them as a as a to like to take it to the track on the weekend you know yeah. to, 
be, be like horses. It used to be <laughs> like horses. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's um that's a that's a good that's a good thing. Like and and something else that um no I've heard nobody talk about, and I think this is going to be the true hallmark of when electric vehicles are really ingrained in society is when. Uh, a teenager who's getting their driver's license and they get their first car, whether it be a hand-me-down from their parents or a used car off a lot. Um, by 2040, I'm really hoping that there's a really solid chance that that car will be an electric vehicle yeah. instead of a combustion. I think that will be the turning point when people's hand-me-down vehicles, the second-hand cars and third-hand cars and the ones that are being sold on lots, when those are electric vehicles, I think that that will be the the true like this is officially we are now a primarily electric society when like it'll be really weird when people are like oh your car has gas that's really unusual it must be tough for you to find one of those gas stations (laughs) man i can't i i personally can't wait for that future yeah i really hope that's the future that being said there's a lot of money in oil and the the cynic in me wants to say that it'll be a little longer than that because of lobbying but i mean any anything is possible at this point. I mean, look, Croatia made it to the World Cup. Donald Trump is president. I mean, like there's the, the Cubs won the World Series last year. The Capitals won the World Series for the first time. There's there's a lot of firsts happening. Are you kind of like following? <laughs> I think that we're quickly on our way to seeing a big change um, with electric vehicles. And I think it's exciting. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of big changes. Samsung has a nice little bit of updates to uh, our mobile data transferring and wireless data transferring in the pipeline. Um, They're working on unveiling its 3.5 gigahertz band 5G operating equipment system. So uh, in in plain English, for anybody (laughs) who may not know exactly how to word that, um, that means 5G is right around the corner. They have a feasible um, satellite signal. That they'll that they're going to be able to actually deploy on a commercial level, um, they're and they're hoping that's by 2019. Um, we're seeing it kind of deployed in with carriers around the globe in smaller communities as like test beds for this new 5G network. But um, I think this is um, quickly approaching as the where 4G is considered slow and LTE is considered slow um, and 5G is the new standard. And um, I think this comes at a particularly interesting time when I had just spent a long period of time um, running a very long Ethernet cable all the way across my apartment from this room about 100 feet back to my router um, when the transfer speeds that this thing is touting is actually three times faster than what that cable is, is capable of. So I feel, I feel a little, I feel a little vindicated here um, in my push for faster speeds in my apartment. Um, yeah. But yeah, they said that, um, well, cause we, we've, we've also seen Huawei was working on something similar, but it's a lower frequency signal. Um, Samsung has concentrated more on the 28 gigahertz band, which means that it's um, they think that it's falling behind the competition um, when in actuality, it's a little bit more of a safer and more stable network speed. Um, so it's it works on a relatively shorter range. It's more suited for large volume data transmission. Um, it's it's something that I think um, that they should work on first. I think getting short range signals 
um, working at a better rate and more reliability, I think, will allow them to manufacture materials to produce the more long range equipment um, on a larger scale. Um, And this announcement is more geared towards like the back end hardware. Right. So most (laughs) I think every every consumer won't be directly interfacing with these types of equipment. But uh, the main way you'll you'll be interacting with 5G is through your mobile device. Um, But I think this is a a big uh, movement uh, towards getting that 5G technology out. Uh, According to this article back in January, Samsung uh, signed a deal with uh, U.S. Telco Verizon uh, for the world's first 5G fixed wireless access network. Mm It's going to be running the 28 gigahertz band um, designed to bring 5G into the homes. Um, so, and it said that Verizon set to formally begin the rollout um, the third quarter of this year, this is 2018, which is quick. So um, the deployment of it, the actual building of these 5G technologies uh, will start the end of, towards the end of this year. Um which could, in theory, mean 5G phones by end of 2019. Maybe? It's possible, yeah. Flagship, flagship devices launching with 5G. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and just, for, just to put some numbers behind it for people who are familiar with uh, network speeds and things such as that, um, the, there's, their technical specialty for Samsung in particular um, lies in the actual equipment of their five gigahertz or their 28 gigahertz band, whereas 800 megahertz of that bandwidth is can allow them to achieve a throughput of 10 gigabytes per or gigabits per second, which is a, a huge. Yeah. That's a huge throughput for wireless. That's something that we can only see in like labs on cable <laughs> in some parts of the U S and I think only if you're like in San Francisco, you can probably, you maybe will be able to find a, a wireless company who will give you 10 gigabits per second speeds. I don't think any, yeah. I don't think Wired any, maybe, but wireless yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. That is insane. That's faster than that's like 20 times faster than what my cable is capable of. I think that's the maximum throughput of my cable is 10 gigabits per second. And that's something that I don't think Comcast will ever offer. <laughs> so unless this becomes prolific enough where um, mobile and wireless, this starts because this could seriously threaten those companies. If 5G becomes this powerful, then you just get a data plan through a carrier that offers 5G and stick it into the Ethernet port of your desktop. And now you have a much faster Internet solution than anything that your internet service provider can even come close to. Yeah. So I think this could potentially increase the competition between, um, between carriers in the U S and maybe would hopefully since it's wireless, you don't have to run those tens of thousands of dollars in cable and hundreds of thousands of dollars in fiber across the whole country in order to establish yourself, you just need a, a way to broadcast a 5G signal across a wide enough area to have a demographic that you can sell to. Right, because it's expensive to go to those rural, rural areas and, and expand that fiber network to get access to internet access to people. So yeah. getting that, this, this would solve that last mile problem mm-hmm. where you can get internet access to a wide range of fast internet access because sometimes sometimes you still have dial up is still an option in, in those locations where it's 
but um, and nowadays dial up is not gonna cut it. To- Looking at you, AOL. <laughs> I think that um, I think that this is like just like the electric vehicle push with the UK. I think this could be like a huge stepping stone in pushing technology towards a pretty much like ubiquitous internet solution in a way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like just giving as many people access to the internet as possible, cheap, fast speeds where um, unless they're bottlenecked by an ISP, which is a worst case scenario, then I think that. Or the certain services are blocked. Thanks to, thanks to, uh, Net neutrality, right? Yeah, or not thanks to net neutrality. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it competes directly with it now. But yes, um, but it's it's exciting. Um, the I don't well, I, I'm not like familiar with the whole semiconductor market and how the the five gigahertz network will work its way into technology that uh, consumers have. Um, this is a really cool read for anybody who is interested in the networking and backend aspect, as you described earlier to this technology and it's it's a pretty good indicator of what the future could be and where we're headed as a in terms of just telecoms and in communication in general so it's exciting Uh, i'm looking forward to being able to like experience 5g like you put your phone up and you see the 5g instead of the lte signal or symbol at the top of your phone Mm -hmm. it's exciting yeah so either way um I think we should talk about this because it seems like actually now that uh, now that we're kind of in the show, it's like I'm kind of seeing a lot more of like the exciting future of tech starting to form in this episode than when I had originally planned the articles. Um, But to move straight into the to the next topic, Dubai has some exciting news as well. they're working on building the world's largest vertical farm to feed their Middle East um, airline, uh, Dubai Airways. I think it is Qatar Airways. Qatar, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never personally flown on Qatar Airways, but I've always heard of um, people who have flown Qatar talking about the experience of being on one of those planes as being... Oh, sh- Emirates, not Qatar. Oh, Emirates. Emirates. Okay, so it's not Qatar. Just to just, yeah. Okay. The same thing. Qatar and Emirates, pretty much on the same level. Pretty crazy flight experience, from what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't uh, flown on on either of them. We either. should do an episode from Qatar Airways or from Emirates, Airways, <laughs> just, just as like hey. a, a sample. <laughs> Qatar Emirates, if you're listening, we're we're down for a trip to Dubai. I for from Dubai, live from Dubai. Yeah, I'll sponsor Make, it. Make it happen. Yes. (laughs) And while we're on that flight, we could try some of the um, vegetables that they will be growing in this vertical farm. Um, So it is a 130,000 square foot, $40 million facility that will begin construction November of this year. Um, It's a joint venture between the firm's Crop One Holdings and Emirates Flight Catering. Um, which will be suppliers of approximately 225,000 meals every day from its base at Dubai International Airport. So it looks like while it's primarily going to be feeding people in, around, and on flights of um, Emirates Airways and flights in and out, in and out of Dubai International Airport, um, I think this is going to be another step in the right direction for um, for these companies and. And also when you get the the world's largest of X or the world's largest of Y, I think that also kind of drives down the, the cost of entry 
for companies who want to make the 17th largest <laughs> or something like that. No. Um, so these, these yeah. vertical farms help with um, uh, the creation of the plant. And it requires a lot less energy, right? A lot, mm-hmm. lot less uh, uh, resources to to actually create. It uses uh, 99% less water than fields. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and I think this could be like the future, the, the wet way that we start growing our, our, our produce. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is a one step forward to getting that, getting us closer to that. Yep. Yeah. It's like those nutrient like packets that you get in, in like plants that you buy from the plant, like from like the florist or something where it's like you put this in, but like your plant lives in like a solution of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, they, it's estimated that they, that uh, UAE imports as much as 85% of its food, um, and only a small percentage of their land is arable. So this is like what what better country to test this in or to have this built in than one that doesn't have a lot of its own food and one that has hardly any land that it can actually farm. Um, because this is something that can grow and produce produce year round. There's no winter. There's no summer, there's no fall or summer where the temperatures are in two extremes and they won't be able to grow anything. Um, it's... Yeah. It's just something that is, it's like a, I'm surprised we haven't heard more of this being touted in other places. I've seen the, those farms where they do this type of growing um, and the water inside of the water, there's fishes that provide like the extra nutrients and the fertilizer. Right. Cause you know, there's a whole, whole cycle mm-hmm. uh, Got a great genius that they just and then the fishes can eat <laughs> whatever. It's kind of crazy that yeah. they can no, do that. It's, it's, it's really cool. sort of a self-sustaining system. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, they said that they um, a lot of people there's, there's critics of it um, that are saying that they have high energy requirements, um, but the carbon footprint in this case is going to be reduced by using renewable energy sources and increasing the efficiency of their led lighting. So another example of technology being pushed forward on such a large scale, which in the end drives the price down for anybody looking to enter this. Um, and we've seen even to draw parallels into like the mobile division, of companies like we've seen Apple do this where um, they go to produce OLED screens or they go to produce Qi wireless charging or some other technology that's open and new. And that gets the price driven way down for anybody looking because they produce at such a massive scale that people essentially need to figure out a cheap way to make this technology. So I mean, it's, it's exciting. Um, it's just a quick little article on this, but, um, I thought it was really exciting that like this technology is, um, becoming more public. So, um, crop one is not the only operator in terms of vertical farming. Uh, There is a large, large farm in Newark, New Jersey owned by Aero farms, uh, 69,000 square foot indoor farm. Um, there's one in California called Plenty, uh, In Farm in Berlin. Uh, so this isn't the first one, um, but this is certainly the largest one so far. And I think that um, I, I don't think this is going to be the last one that we see either, whether it's in Dubai or whether it's in other countries or another part of the U.S. Or I think that uh, one of these might be pretty well suited in like Alaska or something. 
like one of those country or one of those states or something that's very far up and where importing may be a little more difficult than in other places. Yeah. I think like even on a very like a community scale, an indoor farm, a vertical farm, I think would be a good idea. So, um, but yeah, um, right now Dubai has the bragging rights, so we'll see who takes it from them in in a year or so. Um, but somebody who there's, there's somebody else who has bragging rights right now. Um, and for, for a couple of reasons, um, the first one being that Tesla just got approved for a large plant in Shanghai. Um, so you probably know way more about this than I do. So I don't know if you want to lead off on it or not, but yeah. Yeah. So I, I can start off a little bit. So yeah, Tesla got a, a big deal um, that they announced a couple of days ago that they're going to uh, plan. They're going to launch a factory in, in Shanghai. Um, and this is huge because they, so previously uh, if you wanted to operate a, a factory inside of uh, China, um, uh, a Chinese entity had to own at least 51% of that factory. That was the rule. Um, and Tesla didn't want to do that. Or most like most companies don't want to go to China because of that, because they don't want, because if you own 51%, you can just take those intellectual property rights and, and start copying, make Tesla clones in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Tesla made a deal with China where they'll take majority um uh, share of this, uh, or I think it's full. They take full uh, ownership of this factory um, to bring electric vehicles to China. China is one of their biggest, uh, one of their biggest markets. Uh, they ship a lot of uh, cars over there, and it costs a lot because of the import tariffs uh, mm-hmm. to um, uh, get vehicles into uh, China. I think recently they just raised the, their car prices. Um, for Chinese customers by 30% recently because of those import tariffs. It's kind of ridiculous. So if they can build those cars inside of China um, and just, right, then you don't have to import them. Yeah, uh, And make it more accessible to uh, more people in China. And and as most people know, China is a huge market. And um, people who can afford these types of cars, um, that population is growing. Uh, like crazy in China, so that that um, quote unquote wealthier or middle class, upper middle class uh, type of of household is yeah. is the largest growing uh, section within China. So um, it's it could potentially be a huge market, um, and they said they want it eventually. Uh, two years after the the factory construction begins, they want to do as many as half a million vehicles per year. That's like major automaker numbers right there too. Yeah. That's that's crazy numbers. Um, so uh, this could this is uh, huge for Tesla. So they won't be they won't start to build this factory. I think until like two years. Um, so we'll we'll see where they'll find the money to actually build this factory out. <laughs> Tesla has been in the news a lot for um, money uh, issues, for not having um, any money. They haven't been profitable. Uh, supposedly this quarter they'll uh, be profitable and as well as the next quarter after that. And that's what, according to Elon, um, has said. So if they can 
uh, maintain that positive cash flow and, and actually start making money uh, on these cars. Hopefully that'll get them the capital that they need to build out this factory. If not, they might need to go out and buy some or, or get some um, public money uh, from investors to actually get the, the funds to start building this factory. But I think either way, um, it'll be... Uh, a huge win for Tesla because, like I said, China is a huge market for them, yeah. and Asian market too. Because I know in in Japan as well, the the Tesla has been more and more popular. Um, so that was a good minor lead off. <laughs> minor <laughs> on that, yeah. No, I've been following it just a little, bit. just just a bit. No, that's but, that, it. It really is impressive what he's doing there, and if he's going to be able to pull this off, it's going to be in China. Then um, I would, I would honestly imagine that because of this tariff situation and because of the cost of importing, that I feel like China would be willing to help out in such a way because apparently they. Um, they are the largest market for electric vehicles, um, as they are the largest market for most things, just because, yeah, they're, the just largest, because there's so many people. They're the largest market for humans. So <laughs> so it only makes sense that they would have the largest cut of most things. But um, it's expected to accelerate rapidly, especially as this um, is working towards their goal. China has a much more aggressive goal than the UK. Um at hitting 100% electric vehicles by 2030, um, which if they are capable of doing that, then that is absolutely mind blowing. Um, this is definitely going to help them towards getting to that goal. Um, but they said that more than 28 million vehicles were sold in China last year and uh, they're forecasted to top 35 million by 2025. Um, so that would not only more than double our market, um, but it would also just flat out own and dominate the place where automakers are going to look at in terms of trying to sell vehicles, especially to a company that is, or to a country that's pushing for electric vehicles as fast as they are. Um, I think you're going to see more of these deals come through with other U S automakers who want to have a similar impact and kind of reap in the benefits of this new push forward from this country. Um, it's impressive. It really is. Um, they're up. I mean, their stocks are they're up um, a little bit from, and they, they've been going up. And Elon Musk has been reporting optimistic numbers, um, nope. the credibility re- of which is disputed. But um, they're <laughs> optimistic, which is yes. better than they've been because he's typically been pretty honest with his numbers uh, over the years. <laughs> so I wouldn't call it on it. Well, you could say <laughs> over the years. Yeah, over the years. So he does say a number and a date of when they say they might they will hit it. The number is typically correct, but the date isn't. Yeah. <laughs> so looking back at at his uh, history of reporting, so yeah, the number the numbers that he wants to hit in this case half a million cars uh, per year, um, I think will be achieved. It's just in the time frame that they're saying is is still uh, up in the air. I think because I've I've sort of lost trust in whenever Elon says it. Mm-hmm. For a, a certain thing happening, I don't distrust the thing that he says. I just distrust the time frame that he, in his mind, uh, he has figured out. Because You're not typically, alone. yeah, so there's typically yeah things come up that he 
doesn't foresee um and um yeah it just gets in the way of, of achieving that goal but he'll eventually get there and that has been the case for uh pretty much every 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 sort of milestone that they've set out they eventually reach that mm-hmm. um it's just a time sort of have to be more cautious in terms of what they promise because uh the the stock market doesn't like it when you promise something by a certain date and you don't reach it yeah it doesn't matter if you reach it six months later, you're like, you still don't reach it when you said you were going to. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't but, think this is the, the last of, of these numbers too. Like I, like I was saying, I, I don't, uh, I don't know. Um, but I think you were saying that, uh, that number, this says Tesla hiked prices in China over the weekend to a level of more than 70% higher than in the United States. So I, I think your initial number was a little bit off. Yeah. When you said 30, it's actually 70%. So yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's not Uh, exactly cheap to buy a Tesla that's made in China right now. No, that isn't made in China. It isn't made in China. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all made in the U S. Yep. So, um, but yeah, so it, it required it to see to a 50% share of the factory, um, scrapped by 2023. Okay. So this is helping you out also with that claim you said earlier with, um, with Chinese law, um, they announced in May that it does plan to scrap by 2022 the rules on capping foreign ownership of new energy vehicle ventures. So, mm. um, so it looks like that's it's certainly going to help both of them for sure. Uh, it's going to help China reach its goal. It's going to help Tesla have a larger claim, especially with the relaxation of that 50-50 rule for uh, vehicles in China. Um, yeah. I think that'll benefit Tesla a little bit more than people are lending it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, now they're, they're like, yep, we're gonna go to China because Elon has been critical of that uh, type of rule on Twitter. He's he's vocal, he's been very vocal about it, mm-hmm. um, and now it looks like they're changing that, which is great. Yeah. Um, another. So speaking of Elon being vocal <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter specifically, just he, a little bit. Yeah, um, he's been getting some flack uh, recently for um, offering to help uh, Thailand. Um, the the boys who were stuck in the cave for I forget how long. The twelve boys uh, they were stuck it was in the a cave. while. It was a few. Yeah. Weeks. I think it was more than a few weeks. Yeah, months or so. Um, he offered to lend a hand in trying to help as sort of a, a plan or a backup plan to see what uh, he can do. Just um, the record straight, he was the official backup plan. Yes. If their current plan, which worked, did not work. But. Yeah. So uh, he's gotten some backlash. He, most people criticize him of, the, of him just doing this as a, uh, a publicity stunt. Um, uh, just sticking his nose where it doesn't belong just stick to mega cars things like that um <laughs> it's a little it, it got a little heated at times it did um, and then elon is not taking it very well and he's been uh, saying things on twitter which i think he might be regretting i well he seems to have doubled down on them but yeah i, uh, I don't know uh, but I don't know. He he might. I Maybe once he, the ambient wears off. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's been known to do that. So <laughs> I think the real problem here is ambient. I mean, if you look at Roseanne and her problem, and then you look at this issue, I really think that once we solve this ambient epidemic, I really think that we'll see a little bit of a normalization in our celebrities. Um, but no. But in in all seriousness, um, I think 
nobody is truly like in the right in this like back and this like petty back and forth arguing that's been going on on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, I really I'm like I'm not a fan of any of the words that he used because I don't think it's something a responsible adult should say in terms of insulting a diver who was responsible for mapping out largely the internal system of that cave. Um, I mean, and also the divers in response, um, insulting Elon Musk saying that his, um, equipment was impractical. Um, thus might've been a, it might've been a subtle prod, but I don't know exactly what, um, the plan was there. Like it just seems like it's a really like it's it's taking something that was very like heroic and inspiring and turning it into something very like petty and really taking away the meaning of what really happened. Yeah. Um, and I mean, now they have a sub which was produced by SpaceX engineers who worked really hard to build this technology that was going to potentially be used to save lives. And now it's the source of this really weird, childish back and forth argument between um Keyboard Warriors, a, a, a British diver who was re- involved and Elon Musk. Um, yeah, kind of crazy. And I think the, the, they developed this this submarine thing that I think could be beneficial, whatever future catastrophe that might happen. And, and it's now it's developed. And uh, um, I think overall is a good thing. I don't know why people are so against. There's been a lot of backlash towards Elon in general. Over yeah. not just this, but it just in general over a lot of different topics that I'm not sure why people are not rooting for. I mean, he's he's very like I think the fact that he's as eccentric as he is and the fact yeah. that he's so wild and grand in his schemes, I think that like is off putting to a lot of people or it's intimidating to a lot of people. We're saying like, all right, cool. This guy makes all these great promises, but he's not capable of delivering on any of them. So why would we hold any faith in what he says? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like it's kind of a part of that. And like a part of, um, his, like the timelines we were talking about, he hasn't exactly been meeting his timelines. So why would people put any more faith in anything he says? Um, and also like just another people, another pool of people who think that it's just a ploy for him to keep relevant in the public eye. Um, I don't know. I think that everybody's a bit wrong here. Um, and there was a, there was a meme I saw the other day, which was pretty solid. Um, they were just like Elon Musk, albeit misguided has been trying to help this whole time. And they were like, um, how to like steps to like, do you want a super villain? Like the dude makes rockets, he makes electric vehicles and he digs huge tunnels across large areas. So like, because insulting him is exactly how you get a super villain. <laughs> yeah. Like trying to discredit the philanthropic work that he does. However mm-hmm. misguided it is, is exactly how you end up with a super villain. If you read any Marvel comic, <laughs> you, you, uh, d- did you see that the thing that he's doing with in Flint, Michigan? I haven't seen I haven't seen the details, but I heard that um, he's been turning his attention to Flint to solve those problems. Yeah, he's 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 uh, said, please consider this a commitment that I will fund fixing the water in any house in Flint that has water contamination above FDA levels. No kidding. 
um, and I'll personally pay for this. And, and people have confirmed who are in charge of sort of those people on the ground in Flint um, that he has been active and, he, and not himself, uh, of course, himself, but uh, he has a bunch of people behind him also doing this work. So it's not just this one dude mm-hmm. doing all of it, but he has a lot of great people working behind him and, and people have confirmed that, yes, he's, he's, he's really out there um, helping and providing the funds to sort of fix um these issues because in, in Flint particularly he said that he's fed up uh with um uh, he's lost faith in government test results and, and sort of the government doing the work so he's taking That's a lot of people have like i think he's he's spreading so himself to th- he wants to help everything mm-hmm. like how to solve everything yeah uh, i don't know i think at some point you sort of have to focus on just a handful of I mean, he has the teams to do it and a lot of his, like the, the mini sub, for example, a lot of the parts and components were borrowed from SpaceX technology that already existed. So it was kind of like a little side project, kind of like how those Google employees have a, uh, have a 10% or a 20% thing where they can spend a bit of their time working on a side project. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. yeah, those those SpaceX engineers who were put on that uh, spent weekends just working overnight. Um, they borrowed a local high schools in a high school in LA's pool to test it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think he did say on Twitter that um, if this um, this development of that pod, the, the submarine, could potentially be used in a, as a as a escape pod for one of the SpaceX <laughs> rockets. Yeah. He said it could survive space. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, I could, and they're, they're also, um, they left it with the Thai government as well as something that they can use in the future. And, uh, what a lot of people haven't been talking about is that there's, that was a very like gracious and great and grateful exchange between both of them where like they, he was like, you guys can just have it, use it. And they were very like happy with it and said that it'll come in handy in the future. And they're, and it, it just seems to be all of the third party figures fighting with Elon Musk, who we've, you and I have known especially to be rather vocal on Twitter when directly criticized or when questioned for things or like feature. I'm, I'm pretty sure that like probably 10% of Tesla feature requests have probably come through Twitter. So straight to him. So I, I, people asking for things to be put in their cars. So he's, he's known for this. Um, he's had, little back and forth with people before. And I think that's like a good summary of like the entirety of Twitter. But um, the fact that it's being done, I think over this is kind of taking away from what was actually done the, on the day when they were all rescued. And I think um, maybe it should be put to rest for both sides sake, both for Elon's ego and for um, the sake of the story, at least it's not making anybody look good. I think it's a little bit ugly. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of memes that are in this article for Elon Musk. Um, just saying my job here is done and then disappearing after dropping off. Um, you did nothing. Yeah, he did nothing. <laughs> Even though he was the backup plan. Um, he did, he did a bit. Uh, I think we can all agree to disagree on the fact that, um, if the actual plan a didn't work, his plan B would have worked. Um, and he said he's willing to demonstrate at any time. I hold no ill will against him. That all being, and that being said, that what he did say was very childish, and I, 
I think it was kind of lame of him to say that. Um, but either way. Um, yeah. I put, I put a link to a tweet that, that cracked me up today yeah. um, in the chat. If you want to pull it up, it's a, you want to show it on the chat. It's a, uh, it's a fake GoFundMe uh, page. On, you sent it over Allo? No, it's uh, it's on the, it's in the Google doc. It's okay, in the Google doc right. at the bottom. Okay, let me pull. That. It's it's a it's a fake. Just to describe it, it's a fake GoFundMe page with the title, um, "Put the Thai kids back in the cave so I can get to re- so I get to rescue them." And the, the goal is a million dollars, and it's at eight hundred ninety six with Elon as the picture. <laughs> I can't believe this has gotten eight hundred ninety six thousand. Is that actually a no? No, no. It's so it's a fake. It's just okay. a fake picture. Yeah, I was that because I could totally see that being a real GoFundMe. No, yo, no, it's not. It's, a, it's just a fake GoFundMe page, but someone's just having a little, uh, little fun with it. I think, <laughs> regardless of your political beliefs and BTW, I am independent. We can all agree that Taike Rescue was simply epic, but it could it be more epic? With your help, we can shove those kids back in this wet ground hole, and using my custom painted pickle Rick mini sub, I named it Derpina. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man that's impressive that's impressive um but yeah i think that uh i think that we should end the episode there i think that's a good mm-hmm. point to end it on <laughs> um but we do not help people in caves we do not have the technology nor financial means to do so but we are very capable at spreading the message of that um, and with that, the message that is our podcast, uh, all 59 plus episodes, counting all the side stuff that we did they're in within, um, if you are looking to catch up with us and you're watching us on Twitch, you can check us out. Um, by the way, we do broadcasts on Twitch every Sunday morning, if possible, if not, it will hopefully be at some point that day. If it is not that day, then we will tweet, um, to inform you when it does go live and uh, we try to give you as much warning as possible but today was a little bit later than normal um so well at least we got it out but either way um if you were listening to us after the fact as most of you do uh, you can catch us on podbean at industry40.podbean.com you can check us out on google play itunes stitcher and spotify now if you uh, Google, if you search, not Google, if you search industry 4.0 or look up any one of our usernames like industry 4.0 all spelled out, um, you can check us out on social media too. If you want to have a conversation with any of us and we like reaching out and talking to you guys, um, you can find us on Twitch, obviously Facebook and Twitter at industry 4.0 all spelled out. Um, also, if you if you like what you're hearing, um, if you want to help us out tremendously, which would do us a huge favor in both letting us know what we're doing right, letting us know what we're doing wrong, and expanding and allowing us to reach more people, you can leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher as well. I don't know if Spotify does reviews. I haven't done too much research into that system. Um, but if you can, then by all means, leave one there too. Um we love hearing from you guys. Even if it's on Facebook, leave us a review. Um, we love hearing from you guys and knowing what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. And we really appreciate the feedback. Um, but with that, um, I think 
that that is everything there is to talk about for today. Um, This has been episode 59 and we will see you guys in the next one. See ya.